I tell you some good stuff, man? Man, we're going to go to work. Man, this is uh, not what I expected. This is a little taller, man. This looks like it's for somebody that's like six. I know that's what I asked for. I don't need no lip from you. Just give me, give me the other one. Just give me the other one. I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't feel right. And plus, y'all threw away the pad. I'm going to blame you since you don't want to give me a lip. Oh, there we go. This is more custom made for somebody my size. Amen. When I see people think, oh, you look taller. You look taller when I'm watching you on TV. We have been on TV for a while, but when we were on, people were like, I forgot my iPad, so I'm going to have to roll with this. So, uh, we're going to do something a little different today. Um, are y'all ready for the word? Going to dive right in, and um, I want to tell y'all about uh, an author that I've been following for some time. When I first learned about grace, um, he helped me to, to, when I was laying a foundation, um, this author helped me greatly in my understanding of God's grace as I was just building this foundation. So uh, his name is Paul Ellis, and um, he's got some excellent books. We have one of them in the bookstore. This is the only one that I can find we have in the bookstore. Now, The Gospel in 20 Questions, which he addresses. A, 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 if, if you want to get a good understanding of grace, he talks about who's your daddy, what really happened at the cross, what about the resurrection, by which gospel you're saved. I'm not going to read all of these, but um, am I lukewarm? We're going to get into that in this series. Uh, uh, how does God deal with us? When we sin, is grace a license to sin? What is the unforgivable sin? Is God's love conditional on my obedience? And, and he gives, he lays a great foundation uh, uh, for grace. He's a, he's very unique in that he's not a, he's a minister of the gospel, a former professor, but now he's a full-time writer. He said, don't, don't, and he lives in New Zealand. And that's all he does is write. And he's got many, many partners. I'm one of them. He's got partners from all over the world. Um, his blog, Escape to Reality, uh, there's a reason why I'm, I'm, I'm uh, giving him a shout-out today. His blog, Escape to Reality, has reached millions of people. And he said, don't even ask me to speak. He said, if you're in New Zealand, uh, I'll have a cup of coffee with you, but don't ask me to speak because I'm, uh, I'm, I'm not speaking anywhere. He's called to write. And he's, he's a grace scholar. So uh, I encourage you to get your hands on these books. He's got another book called The Gospel in Ten Words. And uh, another one called The Hyper Grace Gospel. Because sometimes some, somebody came out and tried to come against uh, the grace teaching and the gospel of grace. And he, he talked about that it's hyper grace. Well, Jesus made it hyper. Amen. Uh, 
The cross is hyper grace. It's love on steroids. <laughs> so with that in mind, I'm going to teach from his brand new book called Letters from Jesus. It's a book that I'm, uh, that I'm reading right now. And uh, he said, Letters from Jesus. So he starts this book. Now, just bear with me. And I want you all to listen really, really carefully because this is, I'm going to teach on something I've never, I'm going to address scriptures I never dealt with before in history <laughs> of my ministry. Okay. Uh, something that, because uh, I, I, I grew up in the word, like word of faith. And in word of faith, nobody hardly touched it. And if they did touch it, this particular subject, they would, they would touch it from a particular angle and uh, not at all the way that I'm going to address it. Um, so he starts off the book. I love how he starts off. He talks about um, some um, Israeli farmer kind of walking around, and he stumbles on a, a jar. The neck of the jar was sitting up above the ground, and he pulled it up out, out of the ground, and inside of the the uh, jar was these old papers, and, they were, and, and it, it turned out to be parchments. And he, they, they, he pulled it out and looked like some ancient writing, and they took it to the University of, of Hebrew, um, or Hebrew University of Jerusalem, and they examined the parchment, and, and they found in these parchments letters written by someone claiming to be the son of God. And the letters were dated to the first century, and all the evidence indicated that they had been written by Jesus Christ. And so these letters begin to turn people's lives around. All right. Then he goes on to say that that's a fictitious story. But what if, he said it for the reason of, like, so what if we actually had some letters from Jesus himself written specifically, specifically for us? And so thus his, his new book is, is called Letters from Jesus, and that's what I want to teach on. And actually, Jesus did leave us some letters that they're hidden in plain sight. And there are seven letters that he, that he wrote to seven churches. And ultimately, as you're going to see, they're not just for the seven churches. They're for us today. And they're in the book of Revelation. I've avoided Revelation. I've never taught on the book of Revelation. Because I thought, now I know you're smarter than me. But when Revelation came up, and I was taught by somebody that I was trained under, they said, uh, they don't even read. And I followed his pattern of, of Bible reading, a, a well-respected minister of the gospel, and I read from Matthew to Jude. I would have a routine. I would go from Matthew to Jude, and I wouldn't touch. <laughs> I wouldn't touch Revelation. And again, I, I grew up word of faith. 
I mean, when I got saved in, in Word of Faith, you didn't touch that uh, too much. And there were a couple of guys respected in the Word of Faith community that, okay, they, they dealt with that. But they dealt with it as a, a, an end-time book. And so that just has been my mentality for all these years. And even though it does deal with end times, but we missed the purpose of the book. Now, you may be smarter than me, but if you had asked me what the revelation was about, I would say that I was going to ask you, but I didn't want you to holler it out. But if you had asked me, I put myself in a hot seat. If you asked me, what's the revelation about? Oh, that's about the end times. And I didn't even read it. I, I would just go, I'd go to Jude and I'd stop and I'd go back to Matthew <laughs> and read all it and I wouldn't touch it. And it's not because, uh, now, now, Jesus said, I mean, you bless when you read it. And so, uh, and I didn't understand it and, at all. The little I did read, I didn't understand. And my attitude and the way that I was taught by somebody that I respected, that has to do with end times. I'm here to teach you how to live. <laughs> All right? Because my mindset was wrong. But see, grace opens up a whole new thing where you see that the, all the scriptures are about Jesus. And you read the Bible with new eyes. Because if you had asked me, I would say the, the, the revelation is about end times. But it's not. And I can prove it to you by reading a half a verse. Anybody have a Bible? Now, I'm going to give you permission. As if you, I mean, you don't really need my permission. But I, if you've been avoiding Revelation, I want somebody to open it up right now. You in Indianapolis, open it up. You watching online, open it up right now. And you're going to see what it's about. Isn't it interesting? I mean, and, I, and, and see, we see what we want to see. We see in the Bible what, based on what we believe about things. And you can think that you have, um, that, that you're thinking on your, on your own, but you're really not. You're just borrowing somebody else's thinking sometimes. And then you read stuff, and it's, and it's clouded by your thinking. You, you think a certain way. But let's, let's read the Read the Bible. You know, the only way to read the Bible is with sunglasses. S-O-N glasses. <laughs> Say, I need to read the Bible with sunglasses. Everything that you read, it, it needs to uh, uh, be, you need to see the Bible through the lens of the finished work of Jesus. And it's interesting because when you talk about Jesus and you talk about all that Jesus has done for you on the cross, that he finished the work, that we just rest in his finished work, and the Bible is not a list of rules, and people think, I heard somebody uh, respond to this message this way. Uh, they were coming to a Bible study that I'm doing, and, and uh, they didn't come back. They said it seemed off. Said it was off. Well, it's not off word. I believe, well, actually, what I think is they didn't check it out for themselves. It's off based on what they believe. And it was something different. 
and they just dismiss it. You got revelation now? Read the first verse. Somebody, just out loud, just read it. Stop. Did it say nothing about the end time? It said this is a revelation of Jesus Christ. And I'm telling you, these seven letters to the church, they, 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 it's hidden in, in plain sight. And, and, and I understand why people stay away from it because it's kind of scary when you're not looking at it through the right lens. When you're not looking at it with sunglasses, it can be, it can be scary. Come on. But see, these are, these are letters from Jesus that we're going to talk about. All right. And, but see, a lot of people, when they read Revelation, they get anxiety. <laughs> They're confused. And, I, and I'm, I'm teaching from this book because you, you can't, uh, this guy, man, just did an outstanding job because I only know a, a couple of books dealing with Revelation from, uh, just from, from the lens of the finished work of Jesus. Actually, these letters, let me just skip ahead a little bit and tell you what they are. They're love letters from Jesus to us. It's good news from start to finish. Now, it might not seem like that because he talks about stuff. Here's the kind of stuff that he talks about. And, and this, is, this is why we need to study the Bible. I mean, he talked about one of the churches, the Laodiceans, that they were lukewarm. He said, if you lukewarm, what's he going to do? Going to spit you, going to vomit you out. Now, that kind of stuff will make you not want to read. <laughs> right? It's like, let me stay away from that. Because, I mean, if I'm lukewarm, I don't want to know. Just keep me in my ignorance, man. That's just kind of <laughs> scary to me. Um, and I'm sure I probably, even though I never taught Revelation, I, I probably, uh, <laughs> probably touched on that to try to get people on fire for God, you know. Y'all just, you're lukewarm. You're not serving God like you should. And you know what the Bible says? If you're lukewarm, you're going to spit, you're going to, King James, New King James, I believe, said, vomit you out. Now, man, I tell you what, how many want to be vomited out by Jesus? I mean, I can deal with, with if, if people want to spit me out, vomit me out, but Jesus, I can't handle that. <laughs> I mean, who's going to take you after that? <laughs> I mean, if Jesus rejects you, man, I mean, we got, there's no hope. He said to the church at, Star, the church at Sardis, Jesus, him, Jesus, now these letters are in red. Jesus describes himself as a thief. <laughs> All right? In Pergamum, Pergamum said to that church, he's coming to wage war with a sword. <laughs> Jesus with a sword in his hand, I mean. He looked like Rambo on a rampage, right? <laughs> like, 
<laughs> coming for you. So revelation can, can be kind of scary. So um, and man, you let you let religious folks teach revelation and not teaching it from the aspect of this finished work and not looking at it with sunglasses. Well, if he punishes us, this is how this is interpreted, a lot of this stuff in Revelation. If he punishes us, it's for our own good. He loves us, but he also beats us. Anybody ever heard these messages in church? Okay, we're told that the letters, uh, these letters from Jesus contain a mix. Here's the mixture again. A mixture of praises and rebukes. Do good, you get rewarded. But do bad and God will punish you. And it's, it's kind of like God drives us. Got a picture here how religion works. That God kind of drives us and he got this carrot of blessings out if we do good. But see in the back he got that big stick with a nail in that stick. And he's going to clobber your behind <laughs> if you do bad. That's how religion works. I'm just going to leave that there for a second. We'll leave that right there because that's what's that's what's preached in many churches as we speak. All right? God is not riding us like a donkey using sticks and carrots. And so the truth is revelation is good news from start to finish. And if you read the back of the book, you'll find out we win. Again, these are, are, are love letters from Jesus to us. The gospel of Jesus found in these letters has the power to save, to heal, deliver, and prosper us. Oh, hallelujah. Man, get excited about this. But what's preached most of the time when Revelation is preached in churches, and I'm taking my time because we want to change the way you look at things. I'm reminded, my, let me see if I can remember this quote by uh, Gil Scott Heron. He was a revolutionary, a black revolutionary. And uh, he had one of the, his, his sayings, uh, he had he wrote these poems. He was talking about a black revolution, but I want to I want to flip it and relate it to the gospel. Um, he, he talked about changing the way that you look at things and to see. He talked about the the revolution changes the way you look at things, and you see that there may be another way to look at things than what you've been shown. I know I'm, I'm, I'm messing that up, but um, we need to see things 
through the eyes of Jesus. And consider that there may be another way to look at things than what you've been shown. And see, so sometimes you can think you can think you thinking on your own, but really, that's why I don't watch a lot of the news. Very little news I watch. Because if you stare at the news, I don't care what channel it is, it colors, you, it colors your thinking. And you start looking at it, and you think you're thinking on your own, but you're really uh, being programmed. You know, there's a programming in the world. And uh, I, I saw a fascinating uh, thing. You may have seen it online where they would show news clips, little pieces of video from all over the country. It doesn't make any difference what news channel it was. All different kinds, conservative news channels, and you all know there's conservative news channels, there's liberal news channels, there's all kinds, there are all these, these they, they, they just focus on, they have a particular agenda, some of them. Some kind of all the way left, and some of them all the way right, and some of them kind of try to have a kind of lean a little bit, a little one way. Or what. And, but they, they showed all of them and showed little clips all over the country of every newscaster saying the exact same thing. And that's a program. And I refuse because whatever you feed on, out of the, the abundance of what's in your heart, the, the mouth speaks. And that's what we're up against as, as ministers. Man, our job's cut out for us. Because all day of the week, people are, 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 are feeding on junk. And they come to church and want a snack. <laughs> I'm not giving you a snack. This is the good news. This is something that you need to be feeding on. And read, getting books like these and get my books and read them and feed on them. And sometimes we need to get flushed. <laughs> we need a cleanse. We need a detox. We might, we might just do a cleanse as a church. <laughs> Invite people to let, let, do a cleanse with me. You know, that's, that's, that's biblical. We, sh we should always be cleansing ourselves. Right? The washing of water by the word. I like that image. I, I think I just like, just look at that for a minute. But that's the way, you want to be like that guy crawling? That's a lot of church people right now. They feeling that right, they feeling a stick right now. Now if they do good, they like, they got, okay, I get a little carry. I read my Bible today. I prayed. But let's say you went a week and you didn't read very much, you didn't pray, you go to church. There's a stick for you. How many, how many of y'all read your Bible? When's the last time you read your Bible? And the preacher stand up there, you know. Huh? Pointing at you. Man, that's not how to live. All right. How many of y'all glad I'm teaching on these letters? So, so what happens in church is this mixed gospel where a lot of uh, ministers are, are, are like bartenders serving up cocktails. You know, a cocktail's a mixed drink, isn't it? 
Don't act like y'all don't know what to cut. It's a mixed drink. And try to shake, out, shake it up. See, so, so you see the Jesus of the gospel on one hand, the gospel of grace. You go over to Revel, and sometimes he's preached, and, and a lot of people, they preach that wrong. They preach the gospel wrong. But you can look at the gospels and see Jesus as, as, as he is and see him uh, and, and see the gospel of grace through, through the gospel. But then you go to Revelation, it looks like, like I said, like Rambo on a rampage. <laughs> like Jesus going through here with a sword ready to, ready to, you know, cut your neck off. All right. But that's not true. But this mixed up gospel says that Jesus accepts us one day but rejects us the next. He invites us to rest, but he wants us to work. He heals us but he slays us. He forgives our sins, but then he holds them against us. He paid it all, but he expects us to pay him back in installments. He loves us, but then he doesn't. Okay, we, we get saved by his unconditional love and grace, but we got to live by our performance. He didn't really forgive, it, forgive us all our sins, but he forgives us um, in increments as we ask him for forgiveness. Hello. Do you realize, let's, let's look at in, into this. Um, and all I'm doing is really giving you an introduction today, but anybody getting blessed already? Okay, so... Um, you may, may be surprised to know that the New Testament records 2,000 words spoken by Jesus since he ascended to be seated at the right hand of the Father. Do you know that most, how many words? Okay, you've been listening. Y'all listening in Indianapolis? 2,000 words. Most of those words are recorded in these seven letters. And by and large, we stay away from them. I can, just, I can save them myself. I just stayed away from them. And man, I've been missing these love letters. <clears throat> so, as we unpack these letters, we're going to unpack them. We're going to find answers to many common questions like, what does God expect from me? Does he care that I'm bone tired? Is he angry at my fears and failings? How do I know what the Spirit is saying? And Revelation constantly said, hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Now, these letters were not um, just written to the one church that it was addressed to. They exchanged these letters. They, they were reading each other's letters. And so, and they weren't just for them. They're for us, too. Um, we're going to learn about the man who wrote, who wrote this, who, who got this revelation 
from Jesus. John. I mean, most of his colleagues were, were martyred, and he was banished um, in, the, in the Isle of Patmos, where he received this revelation. And uh, one, one historian, Josephus, said that they tried to kill him, and they boiled him in oil and couldn't kill him. And they banished him out there to the, the, the Isle of Patmos. He had so much of the life of God in him, they couldn't even kill him. And they're banished on the Isle of Patmos. Jesus spoke to him. Praise God. <clears throat> so <clears throat> we're going to answer questions like, how do I overcome life's trials? How can I, how can I face death without fear? What makes me worthy to walk with the Lord? Here's a big one. Am I, am I lukewarm? Does God punish me when I sin? If I stumble, will Jesus erase my name from his book? What if I deny him in a moment of weakness? Okay, now so... so how many of you are interested in, 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 in coming back and get some more of this? Okay, tell all your friends about it. We're going to, we're going to. It's good news, this, these letters, revelation, good news from start to finish. See, change the way that we look at things. It may be another way to look at, at it than what you've been told. Anybody ever read about a, oh, now, this, this don't, don't think he was in my lifetime. But you ever heard of Charlie Chap Chaplin? Okay, Charlie Chaplin, how many of you are old enough to run? Don't say that. <laughs> I think he died, he died in 77. Okay, I wasn't born until 85, so. But I've read about it. I mean, my daughter was born in 85, but uh, Charlie Chaplin, he was, a, he was the most recognizable entertainer at that time, okay? I mean, everybody knew him, so let's put this in this context. Remarkable story Paul talks about in this book that um, he entered into a lookalike contest. And he lost. <laughs> they didn't recognize him. It's just, just true. You can look it up. He entered into a, a Charlie Chaplin, it was a Charlie Chaplin look-alike contest. That's why I didn't, I didn't mention, okay. Ch uh, not just a look-alike. A Charlie Chaplin look-alike contest. He entered, and they didn't recognize him. He lost. See, he was different than what everybody thought he was. See? So I, how, how, could, how, could, how could this guy go and recognize? It's because we see what we expect to see. The same principle applies to the scriptures. We see what we expect to see. 
Or, to put it another way, what you believe determines what you see. It, look, okay, listen to this. Y'all listening good? Yes. I'm teaching here. Right. We, see, we see what we expect to see. What you believe determines what you see. If you believe the Bible is full of rules that we must keep to please the Lord, then you're going to find rules when you read the Bible. You're going to see rules. I tell you what, if you don't know what I'm talking about, start hanging around with some religious people and you start preaching grace to them. You start talking about Jesus. It's amazing to me that, I mean, sometimes you can't even, you can't even say his name. Joseph Prince is one of the guys, man, I, I learned. I, I mean, I get tapes from him every single month. I'm, I'm, I'm on a, and the devil, try, he tries to, to get me not to mention him sometimes because some people, you mention his name and they turn the thing off. Some people probably just turn me off the internet. Oh, that Joseph Prince, he just, you know, I had somebody tell me, oh, man, that Joseph Prince. But then he came back, but he had the courage enough, he came back to me. He said, you know what, I was just going by what people said about him. I actually listened to him from, for myself. And it's a man, he, he was spot on. And you, you know what, how can you, how can you, I mean, I know people, people that I'm friends with, they won't even put his book, they ban his books from the bookstore. From the church bookstore. And you can't even mention his name. I know, I, I know some, somebody, and, and I'm, I mean, it's, it's a big church, and there's a relative of this pastor, big church, thousands of people. And, um, and the pastor won't allow the books in the bookstore. But the, one of the pastors, I don't know if I can say, one of the pastor's relatives has a trunk full of books and he'd give them out in the parking lot. <laughs> see, you, you're not gonna be able to, and see now with, with television, See, you can't, you can't hide the truth from people. Usually preachers could just tell you anything, and people would just accept it. But you know what changed all that? I don't know if I did a good job of that. That's, that's dial-up internet. Anybody old enough to remember dial-up internet? That was a wonderful sound. Because how did that change? Because now people had access to, they can Google stuff and they can, they can watch. We, now we, we can go online and we can watch messages by whoever we want to watch. And I love when these law preachers tell folks don't listen to Joseph Prince because then because see what that law does, people, they, people get curious about it. Oh, let me see what he's talking about. And they go on it. Man, this guy's good. I don't know what the pastor talked about. Man, this is good stuff. How, and they, all he talks about is Jesus. But they get stuck on the grace. One pastor called it the G word. My goodness, what are you talking about? The, the law came through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Man, this gospel needs to be preached. 
Man, that man got such a giving heart, he give me, to every month he send me CDs and tapes. And I've met him before. He's such a, he's a gracious man. But I've been around people, I've been around, grace people are gracious. I've been around people like Joseph Print and Joel Osteen. They're just as kind and, 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 and really cool. And I've got around other people, and you mentioned their name, particularly Joseph Print. Some people got problem with Joel Osteen, too. Oh, man, you know. Because they have a problem with a happy God. <laughs> he be smiling all the time. What you want? Jesus. All right. So, uh, where we leave off here? Okay, you look at the, if you believe the Bible is full of rules, that's what you're going to see when you read the Bible. If you if you believe that you've got to work hard to avoid sin to please God, then you're going to read the Bible and find tasks to complete and sins to avoid on every page. So our beliefs filter what we see. But see, if you expect to see Jesus on every page, and in every book from Genesis to Revelation, well, then you're going you're gonna to be set free. Isn't this why the Bible was written? To reveal Jesus? Is it not his story? See, the Bible is not a history book. Somebody challenged me when I was in Bible school. They said, oh, you know, the Bible leaves out parts of history. I said, it's not a history book. It is his story. Got that? It's his story. It's not a history book. Boy, I'm glad I came today. All the histories, poems, laws, songs, and stories of the Old and New Testaments point to Jesus. Augustine said, Jesus is in the old concealed. Jesus is in the new revealed. See, we read the Bible to grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I thought I had another. Okay, here's, and people think that this grace is something new. Man, this is Spurgeon from a message he preached If you look down there at the bottom, I'm going to just read it to you, that little small print down there. Sermon number 531, The Warrant of Faith, September 20th, 1863. Spurgeon, well-respected minister of the gospel. He said this, Charles Spurgeon, we sing and and sing rightly too, my soul no more attempt to draw thy life and comfort from the law. 
For from the law, death cometh and not life. Misery and not comfort. To convince and to condemn is all the law can do. Oh, when will all professors, and especially, everybody say especially. Everybody say he said this in 1863. And people still don't get it. I missed it for a long time. He said, when will all professors, and especially all professed ministers of Christ, learn the difference between the law and the gospel? Most of them make a mingle-mangle and serve out deadly potions to the people, often containing but one ounce of gospel to a pound of law, whereas but even a grain of law is enough to spoil the whole thing. How many years ago? Isn't that over like 150 years? And the people act like, oh, this is something, this is something new. This is some new gospel. Actually, it's older than that. Paul preached it. And Spurgeon saw it. My eyes were closed to it. There were veils on my eyes, but now I see it. The question is, do you see it? What do you see? Why do you see what you see? Are you reading with sunglasses? Or are you just repeating what preachers have taught and have your eyes just just seen or your ears have heard a bunch of stuff over the years that religion have, have brainwashed you into thinking. Now it's good when your brain is washed with a good thing, with the truth. But that's why you don't take things just because I say it or because Spurgeon says it. Look it up for yourself. You can see what he saw. But we got to look at this. I know I'm out of time, but I don't care. It's just it's good. <laughs> time is Tiger TR. Okay, we're still good. All right. Now, look at this. See this for yourself. This is very interesting. When Jesus rolled up on those two guys on the road to Emmaus, this is after Jesus... A resurrection, we'll jump over here. We're talking about how to read these seven letters. Okay, well, he rolled up on those guys, and um, God kept them from knowing who Jesus was. Okay, they didn't recognize him. God kept them from recognizing him. So, at beginning... He, looked, he opened up the Bible. See, he didn't have Ephesians. How many of you know Jesus didn't have the book of Ephesians? See, all, all what they had, and Paul didn't have Ephesians. He wrote Ephesians, but you think about it. What, what they had was they had Moses, which is the, 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 the Torah, the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. They had the prophets, Isaiah and them. Okay, so beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them, in all, everybody say, all the scriptures. All the, scriptures. the things concerning himself. This is very exciting to me on, on so many levels. On one level, he, he shows us that the scripture is all about him. I'll go back to that in a second. But he comes up on him, and it's like 
It's like if, if I came and you didn't know much about me and I, and, I, and I came up and I started talking to you and I said, you know what? Look, imagine there was an autobiography about myself and this was an autobiography about myself. And so if I'm coming to you and I said, look here, I want you to look here, look at this in this chapter. This talks about me as a husband. This, this talks about me as a father. This, 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 this one talks about me as a pastor. This talks about me when I first, it's like, man, hold up. Put the book down. Just tell me you right here. This, that's amazing to me, if you think about it, because that shows us that God wants us to see Jesus in the Word for ourselves. And he walked them, he walked them through Moses and all the prophets and he showed them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. There's a reason he did that because the scriptures are all about Jesus. It's not about rules. He didn't, he didn't show, okay, let me show you the rules. Let me show you principles of success. See, because some people, they look and they see principles of success. They're, okay, I'm looking, I'm looking at the Bible to be a better businessman. So I'm, and they're all our principles of success. There are guides to living, but that's not what the Scripture's for. The Scriptures point to Jesus, right? According to this, Jesus showed them. He's like, let me show you the rules of all of the things. If we, how, many of you pay, how many of you know we need to pay attention when Jesus opens up the Scriptures? What does he want to show us? He's showing us right here. It's not in the Bible to take up space. He's telling us what we need to see. I'm preaching here. Okay. Listen to what they said. This was after Jesus was revealed to them. They knew who he was. He said, man... He, he said, they were reflecting on that. He said, man, did not our heart burn with a, within us while he talked with us on the road, while he opened the scriptures to us? That's what happens when you get revelation. And man, you get, man, the Bible just, it's not just pages. This is not a lifeless book, man. This word is alive and powerful. When you see Jesus, but when you look at it as rules or just something to get you through <laughs> something, <laughs> like I'm just trying. <laughs> yeah, so Denzel Washington wasn't reading the Bible right in the movie. He was in the one movie, and uh, I forget where he was a bodyguard for this family. And uh, he's just trying to get some help because he had a troubled past, and he looked at and the lady came in, the mother of uh, the daughter that he was watching over. He says, uh, she, she caught him reading the Bible. She said, uh, you read the Bible? She said, he said, sometimes. He said, he, she said, does it help? He said, sometimes. <laughs> and that's the way a lot of people are, you know, they're just, they just looking for a couple scriptures. Jesus said, you search the scriptures because you think they give you eternal life. 
He said, but the scriptures do what? I said, do they do what? See, y'all ain't even, some of y'all ain't even looking at y'all in your own thing. That's the reason why, see, because you try, you putting on, you put on some other glasses now. <laughs> Amen. See, people been beat down by religion so much, man. You search the scriptures because you think they give you eternal life. Tell the person next to you. Say, the scriptures point to me. That you, do you see that in your Bible? The Passion Translation says, you are busy analyzing the scriptures. You want to see some mean people. People have their heads buried in a Bible, and they're mean, and they, man, they want to tell you that you're living wrong and, and all this kind of stuff. You busy analyzing the scriptures, frantically pouring over them in hopes of gaining eternal life. Everything you read points to me. I, Jesus like, man. He tried to tell them. And he explained it to two, them two guys on the road to Emmaus. Um, I can tell I'm losing some of y'all, so we're going to shut it down. Shut this thing down, man, y'all. Like, okay, pastor, it's like, I got to do something else, man. Jesus is, okay, I get it. Man, when you, when you understand what this is about, it's cha this changes your life. See, when you see Jesus in the Scripture, when you find out it's all about him, you, you, you will change. Your life will change. Let me see if I can get something to leave you with something exciting here. Let's see if I got something in here exciting for you. All right, well, that's about as exciting as I can get for you. All right, so... You, script, you search the scriptures because you think they give you eternal life, but the scriptures point to me that's the new living, okay? The passion. You are busy analyzing. Oh, I, I shared that one too. The revelation of Jesus Christ. We read that. So this, these letters, the book of Revelation, what's it about? It's about Jesus. It's about, it's the revelation of Jesus. Surely it's about other things as well, but like the rest of Scripture, it is principally about Jesus who has come and is coming again. The New Testament, listen, uh, I'm quoting from, from the book here. The New Testament was written by people who saw Jesus. And this is true of John's revelation. Now, see, even Paul, Paul didn't walk with Jesus but Jesus appeared to him. Jesus gave him revelation personally because he had an encounter with, with, with Jesus. And so the New Testament was written. I'm, I'm, about, I'm fixing the clothes, y'all. I'm going a little bit further here today. The New Testament was written by people who saw Jesus, and this is true of John's revelation. I saw one like a son of man, John said, and his face shone like the sun, Revelation 1, 13 and 16. The old apostle saw Jesus in all his glory and was told, listen, to write what you see. 
Revelation 1.11. When we read Revelation, we are reading what John saw. If we see what John saw, Jesus, we're reading correctly. If we see something else, such as a projection of ourselves and our shortcomings, we're reading it wrong. It's tempting, everybody say tempting, for us to study the scriptures to find stuff we must do. But a healthier approach is to see what Jesus has done and is now doing. For instance, in one of the seven letters, we find Jesus walking among the lampstands. It sounds mysterious, but it's a powerful revelation of Christ with us. The lampstands, listen, this is powerful. The lampstands, Jesus explains, are the churches. Jesus is walking among the churches. How does this help us? It sets us free from this false image of an aloof and distant God, a distant Jesus. Jesus is among the lampstands. He's among the churches, meaning he is with us and he is for us. And that's good news for people who feel they're far from God. Jesus is walking among. He's in us. He'll never leave us or forsake us. And we, how we change, according to 2 Corinthians 3, by beholding Jesus. So in this study, we're going to see aspects of Jesus that are found nowhere else in Scripture. We're going to hear him say things that are not recording any other place than in these seven letters. Best of all, we're going to encounter his heart. While, while the Gospels record the words and actions of Jesus, his letters in Revelation reveal his thoughts. And they are good. All right. So we're going to look into um, some more stuff. This is just the introduction today. We're going to look into uh, who wrote those seven letters, which is John. Why did he write them? To whom were they written and why? Every head bowed, every eye closed. Heavenly Father, we just thank you.